You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Monster House presents. Hey guys, if you like radically honest true stories, you'll love the hit true storytelling podcast, Risk. Risk is the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. Stories too uncensored for public radio. Nothing's too intimate or too loaded. Stories on Risk are sometimes hilarious, sometimes scary, and sometimes truly beautiful. Like the one about the guy who cooked and served his own leg to his friends as tacos. Or the one where a woman's manic episode had her thinking she was living through a real-life Truman show. These stories are told with so much compassion and emotional intelligence, it's inspiring. And just recently, Monster Talk guest David Halpern told the story about his first UFO landing investigation as a teenager and the very unexpected alien encounter that followed. As my fellow ufologists and I unraveled the secrets of the UFOs, it was likely we would discover the secrets of their propulsion. And as that happened, I would probably be able to design and build for myself a functional flying saucer. And then girls might go out with me. You can find David's story in the recent episode, Close Encounters of the First Part, and he returns to discuss a UFO experiencer's incredible story in Close Encounters of the Second Part. You can find these in every other Risk episode wherever you get podcasts or at risk-show.com. That's R-I-S-K or risk-show.com. Monster Talk's a proud member of the Airwave Media Podcast Network, home of such shows as Food with Mark Bittman, Big Picture Science, and Fork in the Road. If you'd like to advertise on this show, contact sales at advertisecast.com. You can enjoy extended commercial-free versions of this show by joining us at patreon.com forward slash Monster Talk, all one word, M-O-N-S-T-E-R-T-A-L-K. For as little as $2 a month, you can enjoy longer interviews, unbleeped language, and bonus episodes exclusive for patrons. And if $2 a month is not workable for you, but you still want to help out, be sure and leave us a positive review on your podcasting platform of choice iTunes reviews in particular can help bring in new listeners and your positive reviews really make a difference. If you want to learn other ways to help out, visit 
monstertalk.org forward slash support, where you can find even more ways to help keep this show going. Thank you to all of you who are supporting us with your hard-earned money and valuable time. We are humbled and grateful and hope that we always live up to or even exceed your expectations. It's actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before. A giant hairy creature, part ape, part man. In Loch Ness, a 24-mile-long bottomless lake in the highlands of Scotland. It's a creature known as the Loch Ness Monster. Monster Talk. Welcome to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stolzner. Hey there, Monster Talkers. I'm feeling some better, but Team Smith and Team Stolzner are both experiencing health issues this week. So we're pulling one from the archives. This is an audio presentation from our YouTube series, Debased on a True Story, where we examine films that are alleged to be based on real, usually paranormal, events. This week's episode looks at the 1983 film The Entity, starring Barbara Hershey and Ron Silver. It's based on the 1978 novel The Entity by Frank DiFolita, inspired by the experiences of Doris Bither in 1974, who claims to have been sexually assaulted by invisible entities in her home. Due to the nature of the story, you should know that we try to be sensitive to the topic even though we're critical of the authenticity of the story. If you're deeply affected by stories of sexual trauma like this one, you might want to skip it. But we did think it was important to cover this famous story, whether it's a ghost story, a demon story, an alien story, or a mental illness story. Whatever it is, it was traumatic to the people involved, and we do appreciate that. However, it was also a major motion picture that presented the material uncritically, and we have some stuff to say about that. There are several photos discussed in this episode, which you won't be able to see unless you watch the video or check the show notes, but the underlying ideas, I think, come across pretty well. I'll put some of those photos in the show notes, but I don't want to remove that section of the audio just because you can't see the photos. Also, if it's not apparent, this will be a very spoilerific episode. We will be spoiling surprises in the film. But I hope you enjoy it. And there's lots of other episodes in our Debased on a True Story series, which you can find at monstertalk.org, or you can find it at youtube.com forward slash monstertalk. Monster Talk. Welcome, everyone, for another episode of Debased on a True Story. My name is Matthew Baxter. And I'm Karen Stolzner. And I'm Blake Smith. And today we're covering the 1982 film and associated book, The Entity. Yeah, 1983. So I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I, I think I think it came out in 82. I think uh, IMDb says 82 anyway. Oh. OK, well, I think that, that that's an interesting kind of metaphor for uh, this entire film and the story behind it. <laughs> That facts yeah. and dates and names and things yeah. seem to change. So, and let's let's uh, <laughs> let's kick this off with a great big old trigger warning because uh, let's do this movie could not yeah. be made today. It could not. It could hardly be enjoyed today. It, it can That's, hardly be watched today. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's a it's a thing. It's a thing. But it deals with a lot of uh, really. You know, 
we talk about a lot of things, murder and all that sort of stuff and death and horror and ghosts and people being chopped up and eaten. Um, but this is uh, this is a movie largely about sexual assault. Um, and that's the, the I guess the nicest way to put it. Uh, so. it is, and I think that the uh, the producer and the, the director said at some point, oh, this is not a horror. This is a suspense or a thriller film. Um, but yeah. I think it's certainly got aspects of horror to it. It was horrible in that in that <laughs> yeah. sense. I mean, it yeah. was it was uh, very triggering to watch in this day and age. It was uh, um, it's just it was difficult to get through a lot of a lot of those scenes. And, and like I, I had said, to break it up. I literally, I mean, you know, I just said so it way. Yeah, yeah I, I broke it up to like three sessions, and I, I can't. This would be a terrible date movie. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, just yeah. Well, don't, don't. Funny, funny you should say that because I think Matt and I watched it very early on in our relationship. Um, but I know how to first... woo the women's. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a something. It's a something. But I think that like this was your first viewing, wasn't it? It was. It was. Now and, I, and I've been we aware of it. to tell you, Blake. Yeah. We, we were going to say, don't watch this with your children. Yeah, no um, kid. Well, yeah, I knew that. I knew <laughs> the subject matter. I mean. I've been I've been deliberately avoiding the movie just out of okay. the sense of uh, and it's not because I didn't think I could handle it. I've, I've seen many films that were deeply exploitative. And I mean, uh, the I, I so you saw, about some of them. I you spit on your a grave, Ser- yeah. I, a Serbian film. I, I, I haven't watched that, but I'm very familiar with that. Heard of it. Yeah, I, yeah, they're, they're, I know the plot. Yeah. I don't want to see yeah. it. Yeah. Well, and right. And it's a uh, it's it's. This film is not as um, uh, it did. It's not as titillating and sensational as those. I mean, it does approach this stuff very seriously, mm-hmm. and, and I was very impressed uh, with the acting of uh, Barbara Hershey. Uh, she because this is a thing. This is a, a your job. Part of this job as an actress is to present a story about a woman who's being raped by something that's invisible. And mm-hmm. she has to convey that. So the director and 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 the way the the film was approached, I think they probably did as good as they could. It wasn't. I didn't mm-hmm. find it laughable. I found it disturbing. And I think that yeah. maybe was the very goal. disturbing, yeah. very distressing. And uh, I have to add too. You mentioned Barbara Hershey. Uh, so some original contenders for that role include Sally Fields and Jane Fonda uh, and Bette Midler. I really can't imagine any of them in that role. Although Barbara Hershey and Bette Midler uh, apparently did work together later on some film called Beaches, according to my wife. So that's <laughs> yes, yeah, I, wouldn't I think know that's about the that only either. other Barbara Hershey film that I've seen. Yeah, yeah. And so I, to see that, and then to see this is quite a different role. Yeah, and Sally yeah. Field would the, the lines would have changed. It, it would just, have been more like you don't really like me. Um, it just. <laughs> I don't think that it was lost on Blake. <laughs> no, no, no. I do. I do know the story of, of I remember oh. the Oscars. Uh, it just wasn't <laughs> so funny. Was like, yeah. <laughs> it just was not funny at all. No, um, I was just thinking about the uh, beaches and that song, the wind beneath uh, my wings. And, uh, mm. and I, your wind you is have, usually much lower. I don't want you to have yeah. to edit this. Yeah. So we're just going to leave out the joke that was in my head. So yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. But did you ever but, know that you're my hero? Like, yeah, exactly. It, because <laughs> Kathleen actually did say, "Did you ever know that she was in Beaches?" It's like I did not. Well, so. I think uh, we we should start by saying that in the movie, there are certainly a lot of differences between the movie and the the true story. Yes, and one of those is that the main character, Barbara, played by Barbara Hershey, is Carla Moran instead of uh, Doris Bither. 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 I yeah. keep saying Bither, but Bither. 
Uh, and yeah, I think that uh, I, I don't know how quickly we want to jump into this, but uh, Matt made a really interesting point when we were re-watching the movie again last night uh, and that is that the woman that they uh, present in the movie is a lot more well-adjusted like um, yeah likeable. I mean yeah, yeah, she's, yeah. she is uh, a she has a job and she's I think attending college and the home life seems to be relatively happy and uh, she is just well-dressed and yeah basically more likable than the character in the true story um right and this this was written by frank d felita felita uh who had written the novel the entity 1978 uh, which, yeah. which is based on the work of the parapsychologists in the and we'll we'll get into all that but he's yeah, that also famous yeah, 74 the, the true stories in 74 the book was written in 78 and then the movie 82 83 yeah. but uh, have you read the book then i've like, read i've read chunks of it um i I, I, found, I found it online and read uh little pieces of it here and there and it was interesting and it's got um and it's interesting also because uh the film has been i guess recognized by um feminists as being uh, a film uh, with a lot of feminist themes i certainly felt it was a film in which women's exploitation and victimization uh is a big part of the plot and her rising up mm. and trying to fight this stuff is uh you know it's it's a very woman against a lot not just the system oh. but it, but the ghosts and that sort of theme is right yeah, the whole and, thing. yeah I, I mean um certainly there are just so many men in this movie from the psychologist through to her boyfriend uh through to her own children or her son uh, because he's she obviously had him i think at the age of 16 according to the movie so and she's in her she's 30 uh and then through to the the paranormal uh uh researchers too there's just a lot of men pulling her in different directions and she's and then really, the entity itself and the entity itself yeah which uh i guess is portrayed in the movie as being a, some kind of invisible assailant although you do catch glimpses of it and and that yeah. has parallels to the the, the true life story too, where, uh, I mean, we've heard different versions, haven't we, Matt, that yeah. uh, this, yeah, a lot. this entity was, uh, was a man or it was three men, maybe one very large and powerful and strong man and two smaller men who would hold her down during the assaults uh, through to, uh, I think one story said that they were Asian men. So I don't know where that came from. Yeah, that was part of her that. testimony, apparently. Was she oh, okay. that. But wow, I don't know. Okay. Hmm. I, I, How did she discern that? that? Yeah, I don't know. And I don't want to know. Like, I'm, there's no where that goes yeah. this good. There's no where right. that goes this good. No, that, no, no, so. no. But so. uh, I, it is interesting that uh, for her to discern that, it seems like throughout, I think that's the paranormal, one of the paranormal elements of the movie, that uh, she does give descriptions and she does, she seems to be able to determine when this thing is going to appear and what it's going to do so there is some kind of almost like a psychic ability that she has at times so i just wanted to mention though that uh frank de felita who who wrote the novel and wrote this screenplay mm -hmm. is also well known for having written um the novel audrey rose which was uh about uh, reincarnation and oh, okay. and it was a very popular reincarnation novel in the 70s which there were a few of those which is 70s were weird so uh and yeah. to be to be blunt the 70s in california in particular were weird and this all happens in that sort of 
uh, sort of paranormal, new agey milieu, as they say. Uh, so yeah. it's 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 coming out of a, a culture where ghosts and psychic powers and self-help and meditation and EST and all these weird uh, sort of ideas are all it's there's a stew of that going on at the time when this is put together. Sorry. So we'll, we'll hop back to the movie now. But I, I just I think it's interesting that he had sort of made uh, a couple like this was kind of his poltergeist novel. And coincidentally, comes out in 82. Mm-hmm. Uh, very not not as widely or, or as well regarded as Poltergeist, um, I, I think. But it, it's if you you know you get two movies about the same idea. And man, uh, did you get the feeling there was a little bit of Annabelle Annabelle uh, the creation stuff going on here too? Where like the the, the, the bookstore scenes, it yeah. felt it felt you a know, little. I didn't well, think and, of that, but I think yeah. I mean, now that you put it that way, I, I think that is a bit of a trope in these kind of films but yeah. i think that 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 does have parallels with what apparently happened yeah that yeah she was oh, in i mean yeah it's right it, yeah if anything annabelle lifted it not not these this was like right straight out of the original oh. yeah yeah so yeah, well I, I mean one of the big differences between the movies is uh you can really see the budget constraints of the entity yeah, yeah. in comparison to poltergeist yes um but uh the thing is is the use of that i, I don't know if i want to call it music but that sort of repetitive <laughs> rhythmic beat. Yeah. yeah when it, yeah, anytime yeah, that yeah. entity would show up haunted me from it's the, the when I saw oh, this in it, the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it, yeah. it's anytime and I hear anything like that, I think of this movie and it's, it, it was just so well used and, 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 and terrifying. Well, I can't think it, it really it. evoked a, those feelings. There is a Jimi Hendrix song that has that kind of a beat and I can't think of which one it is. I should have tried to Purple listen Haze. to it beforehand. Uh, no, it's oh. <laughs> the only one you know. <laughs> um, what do you mean? But uh, it has, has that same kind of beat, uh, and so yeah, I, every time I hear that, I, I kind of taken right back to that movie. Um, and yeah, in the movie, they explain that as being a pipe. The no, sun... that, that was actually the the sound of something moving. This little uh, scraping sound. sound, yeah, yeah, oh, scraping okay. sound. Well, then, that was the pipe. I guess we're not too sure if the others were experiencing that sound. I don't think, I don't personally, I don't think that sound was meant to be something that was heard in the house. It was only something to evoke that emotion in us, the the watcher, Uh, just like, you know, in, in most movies, they don't hear the score as a for for, for our cinema files. This was a non-diegetic sound. That's uh, what. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> there's this idea of like when sounds come from within, the, like the pipe scraping, that's diegetic. Mm. It's happening. The people mm. hear it and we hear it. You can digest the, it. Right. What, I think it's automatic. Yes, exactly. It's like but... a biscuit. Yeah. So no, <laughs> I, like, but that thumping that I think that was all supposed to just make us unsettled. Uh, mm-hmm. to sort of put us in the same sort of psychological space as the victim here. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think we're in. Yeah, it worked well. In talking about the the movie, I think uh, we should talk about the the home environment and the family structure as well. So you have this single mother, and later on they do talk about the background behind the, um, I think there were two fathers for the the three children. In the true story, sometimes I've heard that there were three children or there were four children. Uh, Sometimes that there were three boys or four boys and one girl. and in the yeah. movie, there there are two girls, young girls, and one older boy who is, yeah. uh, I think he's sixteen and sixteen, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and again, she's um, about thirty herself. But uh, I think that the relationship that they seem to have uh, is a, a good one in the movie, at least to begin with. But oh, yeah. um, 
at well, the like same she, time, the, the son is kind of lumbered with the responsibility of taking care of the the two young girls while the mother's at work or studying uh, and he's having to cook and clean. So I think that there's some resentment there. Yeah, and, he just wants to be a teenager. And, yeah, and he's having to take care of the two girls. He's basically being the father. Right? He's being yeah. the adult in a lot of this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, he, just, he really is. Yeah. yeah. And he, I think he's kind of her connection to... Uh, uh, normality too, which is something that the psychiatrist keeps referring to, that she needs to have someone to keep her grounded in this, whether it's her boyfriend or, or I don't know, maybe him. <laughs> there's a kind of a weird yeah, triangle yeah, thing going on there. Yeah. I mean, he never outrightly says anything, but certainly towards the end, he, he says that he cares yeah. about her I repeatedly. Really, really care about what happens to you. Yeah, this, <laughs> but is, uh, this so is good with the L word. This is yeah. uh, Ron Silver as Phil Snyderman, Dr. Phil Snyderman. Uh, Ron, he, Silver, he plays a lot of slimy characters. And I think he's supposed to be a good guy here, but he really comes across as sleazy. Yeah, he's good well, he with does. the sleaze. Yeah. yeah, he really does. But with the home, uh, I think that they, they cast the home very well because if you go and look at pictures of the actual house. Yes, totally agree. It's a real dead ringer for that. They The yeah. same color, same kind of structure. Was, it was the best casting. I think in the whole movie, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. It's, yeah, it's solid. Did, did you notice? I, I I just pay attention to these things sometimes, but there's this in film. There's this idea of something called the Dutch tilt, where you put the camera on a little bit of an angle, and it's supposed, supposed to be kind of offset things and make you feel a little bit unsettled. They use it all oh, the time uh, in this film. I mean, like front to back. Yeah, every time really she's is. walking towards the house, it's tilted one way or the other. And like, there's scenes where you know when something serious has happened, suddenly there's a little bit of a tilt. Mm-hmm. So, oh, it was filmed very well. The cinematography mm-hmm. was really great. Uh, well, we were talking about budget. Last, yeah, we were, we were talking about last night about how fun the scene was when she was looking for her car keys and the camera was on the car keys the whole time. Yes, um, yes, that was a lot and, of fun. Oh, even when she reached mirrors. for them, yeah, 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 yeah. Even when she reached for them, you couldn't tell the perspective whether she was in front of it or behind it. Uh-huh. And it's almost uh, like so a jump scare from her own hand reaching for the keys. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, to go back to the house, uh, I mean, it was run down on the inside, and I think it was maintained as well as it could be, in comparison to the true story, where it seems like the the house was really in a state of disarray, and apparently. Matt and I kept hearing that uh, the place had been condemned twice. Twice. Yeah. Twice. Yeah. 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 So I, I don't know if that's true or not. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll get into this a bit later too about the history of the place. Um, but well, yeah, well, in the. Oh, go ahead, Karen. I'm sorry. Um, no, no. I was really just kind of wanting to describe the house. But yeah. Done. Well, it, one of the things that I noticed about the movie was right out of the gate, she is assaulted. It's, you yeah. know, I mean, they're showing, oh, here I am at work and here I am in my night classes and here I am kind of now, son, you need to do Tucking things right. Oh, in. I love you. And then uh, that's all happy. And then boom, well, literally boom, hit. boom, boom. Yeah. 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 yeah she's in assaulted immediately. Minutes. Well, yeah. And that's yeah, the interesting that's... thing. In the last 10 seconds of that 10 minutes, um, we had multiple things happening. The first thing is the stuff on the, on the, the counter shards are the, uh, the, her little armor that starts vibrating. And then immediately she smells something bad and immediately she's cold. And it was just like, boom, boom, boom. I mean, it was just so rapid fire. All that happened within the space of 10 seconds. And it was like, wow, they are not messing around with this movie. They are shoving it down your throat immediately just to show you how harsh this is. And there were a lot of those scenes too throughout the movie. I think at least we, we counted maybe about six scenes 
Uh, so you really just couldn't. Of the assault, yeah. Yeah, so you couldn't really rest at any point throughout the movie. It was just, it kept you in this constant state of it fear. Did. It did. It constantly disoriented and anxious. And, oh, and it, I, there's a thing that happens in a lot of sort of haunted house movies where you're like, wait a minute, why don't they leave? Right. And really early in the film, they also show you that she can't she run can't. away from this. It's with her everywhere she goes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. I thought that that's from a storytelling perspective, that's powerful. That's a that's a clever bit of a uh, way to keep you like at least there's a reason why they're staying, you know. Well, yeah. And, so the, and then the, the order in which they were placing things was very well thought out. Yeah. yeah. Well, she did attempt to leave in, in the movie after that first incident and went and stayed with a, a friend. And the friend's husband or partner wasn't yeah. very happy about that and <laughs> the, <laughs> tried he, to boot them out the next morning. And then she came to stay the with worst. them, which I thought was strange. I mean, yeah, well, well I thought, thought she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her, the, the, her friend and her friend's husband are, are uh, extremely dysfunctional. And he comes across as like one of the larger a-holes in, in, in horror cinema, I think. Just, oh, she seems yeah, to have a southern know. accent and yeah, she has, does. has a southern hospitality going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, when he but, said that, I'm going to go in there and set her straight, you know, and then boom, they're that. out the door. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they're yeah. out the door before he can do such a thing. But we don't uh, even see him. Yeah, he's just mm -hmm. his voice. Yeah, disembodied um, but, voice. Speaking of disembodied voices, uh, hmm. the the only time the entity speaks, um, he graces <laughs> us with the c word. But uh, it's I want to know who that end. voice was uh, because it sounded like Clancy Brown from Highlander. Uh, <laughs> it did a bit, yeah like welcome home you know that it was just sounded like you know kurgan from highlander the way he said it and everything so i was i was wondering who voiced that because i yeah. actually did not take the time to go look hmm. so in the comments uh somebody <laughs> let me know who voiced that but, but yeah uh, I, she does attempt to leave and uh so i did think it was strange that the friend came back and then stayed with her you know this place after she's been assaulted uh and in real life too she does I don't think she tends to leave at first. I think the uh, paranormal researchers that she works with do try to convince her to leave. And uh, she finally does and moves into another house that's in California. And have we said that this is in Culver City? Yes. Well, California. we haven't, but it is. No. Uh, yeah. And yeah, we're, uh, so we're kind of does... mixing between reality and the movie, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, which I think is kind of best, probably the best approach with this yeah. particular film. Uh, so she does move somewhere else and it, the phenomena follows her. So it said that it's attached to her. And uh, then she eventually moves to Texas and just kind of disappears. And it said that the phenomena just, the activity decreases in severity and, and uh, uh, the incidents over time. Um, but I suppose we should talk about just some of the phenomena anyway that, that happens in the movie. And as Matt said, you really do get exposed to that uh, just in the first 10 minutes. It's very full on. Um, and then I guess it really comes into play a lot more when the, uh, she meets the paranormal investigators and at first they come across as skeptical, don't they? They're, well, yeah. they, they, they were not just her. skeptical. They were mocking and they I really were. That, yeah. I made yeah. that comment last night to Karen. I was like, anytime somebody comes to you with some sort of phenomenon, the first thing you think is I am the person that needs to make her feel better. You know, so you're going to listen and you're going to go, you know, uh, you're not going to, you know, you can ask some questions and things like that, but you have to really think about 
putting somebody off immediately uh, when you want to be able to go and investigate this. We really, you know, especially during this time in history, there weren't very many uh, claims coming in. As soon as reality mm -hmm. TV started up with it, suddenly there's claims like crazy and everybody wants to get on TV. So everybody's mm -hmm. saying, yeah, my house is haunted, me, me, me. But back then, it was not such a big deal. So if these researchers had somebody come to them, they were going to treat her well, yeah. you know, and, and, and with, with kid gloves and the, in, in the movie, they were like, like a tremor maybe, you know, I mean, it was just, they were, they were so sarcastic and snarky and it's, it, you know, until an actual tremor seemed to hit the house and scare the, the wits out of them. And they become um, eyewitnesses, but yeah. I think that there's some validity to that as an explanation. Uh, I mean, obviously not in the film, it's fictional, but in real life, in terms of possible natural explanations for that particular aspect of, of what was going on in the house um, with some paranormal, some uh, you know, poltergeist activity that was taking place in the house uh, with objects well, exactly. falling over and uh, cupboards opening and closing. Uh, and at one point, a, a frying pan flew across the room. Took a ballistic arc, according to uh, Barry Taft. And, yeah, no, yeah, no evidence of that. But uh, certainly, a lot of the things with things falling over and the damage in the house too. But they, uh, yeah, they well said the place was a, a you know not only a, a, a pigsty, but in in bad structural shape. So hmm. if you consider a tremor, which happens daily in California. Oh, hundreds uh, every day. You know, they're, they're all the time. If you've got mm -hmm. a house that has bad structure in the first place, those tremors might feel a little more drastic uh, mm -hmm. than a house that's actually built for that kind of, um, you know, natural occurrence. So well, I wonder, the house is still around today. It is painted. It looks I, I have different. some photos. Uh, okay, in fact, I was, see. I was going to, uh, go through just a couple of photos here and discuss they, they them. They may have uh, reinforced the structure or something like that nowadays, but it is interesting that it's still around. It, it is. It is. It's, it's very interesting. Okay. Are you guys able to see that? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now when you do a search for the entity online, this is one of the photos that comes up uh, mm -hmm. often. And it's like, a, this is a claim of one of the photos they took. Well, it, it's not. This is a classic ghost photo back in the more spiritualism days one of the the real giveaways on it is look how high the ceiling is uh you know in the chandelier up there and the the molding going around the room uh mm -hmm. at the top there now if you were to look at the house uh those ceilings aren't high no no in the interior mm -hmm. shots not gonna have that very low, very low. Mm -hmm. yeah that crown molding and all that is not going to happen so, mm -hmm. but this is the house, and as you can see, it's, you know, now we've got a nice stucco finish on it and everything else that it didn't yeah, have at the it's time. It's different again now. I think it's painted red and, and brown, or you've got a picture. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's right oh, there. they're yeah. not red and well, orange and Orange gray. and gray. Um, <laughs> there we go. But this is the house. It was tiny. And in the movie, they portrayed so many people in this house. And the stories are, you know, that there were 40 some people in the house. Uh, mm. You couldn't fit 40 people in this house. Uh, it just. Mm. Well, what if they were clowns? Oh, 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 That's and they a good were, point. they yeah. kind of were, <laughs> yeah. uh, but the thing is, is, um, you know, all of the photos that we see only have maybe four or five people in That's it. true. Yeah. You know, at yeah, the most, there so, is, yeah. so there's a lot of stuff we don't really know about this. Now, uh, when we talk about classic ghost photos, uh, we have like this one, uh, what the was brown this? The brown lady. Brown or... lady. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, sure. Well, 
these are easy to make. I mean, here's one where Karen plays the brown lady. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. as, as we're going downstairs. So you can see that you did not need Photoshop mm-hmm. to make ghost photos then. And, and what, why the reason I'm bringing this up is we had Barry Tapp saying, oh, she said that the ghost was over in the corner. So we took a picture of the corner and this is what we got with our Polaroids. And then it was, she said, oh, it's in front of my face. Look, it's in front of my face. And we took mm-hmm. a picture and this is what we got. Uh, and then, then she said, it's not in front of my face anymore. Yeah. And this is and what they got. And that's what I was got. talking about with the, the discernment too, that she knew the positioning of the, this entity. Yes, yes. She could tell where it was, but no one else could. Now, the thing is, is that the scratches on the photo were actually made by uh, Barry Taft. It was an accident. So the scratches don't mean anything. But, uh, and I'm also looking at her hair. Um, we're, we're looking at, this is kind of the hairstyle Dolly Parton had around this time. It's very big. Uh, but when we get into, well, I, I actually, it's very me, big, <laughs> it's a very big hair. Big now hair. let me, let me yeah. step back here to these photos. Okay. These, this is somehow proof all these photos. Um, so let me show you really quickly. Uh, I think she does tend to look different in different photographs, which makes me wonder about which one is her actual identity. That's what I was going to show next. Uh, but first I wanted to say that today blade, uh, our son came up and said, Oh, there's a ghost in front of me. And I took a picture and, uh, I got this, Oh my goodness. And then he said, okay, the ghost is gone now. And I got that. <laughs> so it's amazing uh, how that works. You know, that that's, uh, yeah, there's there's a ghost and there's not a mm-hmm. ghost. I can take those two with a Can be replicated. Phone. It's, it's yeah. like gone in a flash. That's amazing. It's gone in a flash. Well, the thing <laughs> yeah. is, is they're both taken with a flash, but there right. is a secret to it. Now, it is harder with a smartphone because they are smart when it comes to photos. Um, and that is, if you are taking a picture and you hold your hand like this, it reflects mm-hmm. the flashback down into the lenses. Um, and it's, it's a very common ghost hunting thing because the, it, you want to be able to see the orbs to show you know, the ghosts. So you kind of cup your hand over it. And that, this was actually a technique that was uh, supposed to be a ghost hunting technique, not a fraud mm-hmm. technique, but a ghost hunting technique. No, no, that, that causes the light to come back down over the lens. So you get you know, this lovely flare over the picture you know mm-hmm. and i can guarantee and, and especially when we're talking about polaroids <clears throat> that's going to totally be an issue so yeah that doesn't work hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. But let's, let's go back really quickly to this. And it is, is hard because here they are all with her in this room. And this is what her hairstyle looks like. It's big. Mm-hmm. And then we move on and suddenly her hair is darker 
and uh, it's, it's wavy. Yeah, yeah, it's wavy. Look straight. It's it's just, uh, more the the hairstyle that she had in the movie. Um, so, but we can talk about this picture too. This is one. Oh well, it wasn't projected on the wall because there's a corner there, and blah blah blah. And obviously, that's the only way that a picture like this could happen. Um, it's a Polaroid. You can make these kind of things on Polaroids all the time. You you put a little, you know, uh, wrinkle in them, little crimp. It'll do that kind of thing. Uh, no problem. But there's also another way to do it. And uh, we were investigating Children's Hospital. And uh, this was, uh, we always get hanger-ons uh, often when we would go out and people would find out we were doing it. So there would always be people around occasionally. But uh, we made this arc over one of those, those people uh, in one of the rooms that was demolished. And ooh, that's pretty scary looking, isn't it? Uh, Looks it's very really easy. And you can see, it's not projected onto the wall behind this person. Uh, he was just standing there and, uh, you know, we, we got this arc over the top. Now, you can move on. And there we, we put a little toy there to, uh, to show the, uh, the, you know, the children, the ghostly children of Children's Hospital might play with it. And, oh, lo and behold, we get this absolutely incredible uh, interaction with this toy. Yeah. So what's going on here? This is all in camera, no Photoshop. It's very easy to do. This is done with a slow shutter and a flashlight. So wow. you can paint in the air with a flashlight and then walk away and then flash, you know, trigger the flash on the camera. And this is what you'll get. Uh, you can do a similar thing with a laser pointer and you can, uh, <laughs> cool. you can say boo in the air. <laughs> 800 is what I see. Is that different? <laughs> it's, it's, I don't have the best pen, ghostly penmanship. I apologize oh. for that. But so, yeah, that's all done in camera. There's no Photoshop. That is that, that boo is existing in mid space, you know, in this photo. It's not up against the wall. And I think so, that these pictures are better than a lot of the claims that are out there. Absolutely. Now, I don't know if you can see the face that's, that's in oh, the yeah. brick. So mm -hmm. they, they had one, I couldn't find it, but they had one where they said that there, the, an entity was actually starting to manifest. Yeah, it's not hard to do either, as you can see there. Well, um, that could even be pareidolia too, yeah, if yeah. it wasn't that. Yeah. Well, yeah, in this case, that is actually my face. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just not that scary. That's my hand uh, appearing next, uh, next to the wall. Um, <laughs> and it's, that's all, like I said, in camera. There's no yeah. Photoshop involved. So, and I think if a lot of people uh, by accident created this kind of phenomena, that they would just construe it as being paranormal. Most of the time, people that think they're paranormal investigators don't know how to use a camera in this sense. So they put it on uh, night portrait mode because that makes sense. They're in the dark. You know, that, that's how they want to have right. it. They don't realize that slows down the shutter and then it gives a flash at the end. So suddenly you can have all kinds of crazy photos. And these ones mm -hmm. that I'm seeing from the entity do not pass muster. I mean, they were, uh, they were confirmed to be real. Well, they're real photos, photos, real photos. you know, but yeah, not, not, not tampered with. <laughs> no, they weren't tampered with, yeah. you know, that that's all true, but they're not ghost photos. Uh, we don't mm -hmm. even know what a ghost photo would look like at this point. So um, I think that's all really it, important stuff to talk about. Uh, it is. Now, I think the fact that there can be mundane explanations for a lot of the sort of physical evidence in this case, uh, mm -hmm. and 
is it's important and it but it's also this is one of those rare cases where and i don't like to say much about this because i i think we tend to approach these cases with a presumption of sincerity that the people who make claims are sincere people and that you know there are people are always like we well, skeptics you don't believe anything or you're always debunking you always like don't take you know it's like well listen to the people's claims but it is important if people are living in terribly dysfunctional families mm-hmm. and are under all kinds of psychological stress Mm-hmm. And if even the investigators admit that every time something was going on, the people were incredibly intoxicated, yeah. uh, like mm-hmm. there were substance abuse and alcohol issues here. Uh, there's a lot yeah, going they on. They called her a recovering alcoholic, but yeah. she was but drunk they all liter- the time. They, they literally talk about it. If, the few times they talked to her sober, nothing happened. Right. Like, you know, so and so well, yeah, and, she was a, a victim of childhood abuse, too. Yeah. And uh, so she'd had uh, multiple uh, relationships where she was a victim of abuse. Um, and, but there, there were claims in with the true story that she had some things that had happened to her, some incidents that led to this activity. And one of those was that she'd played with a Ouija board when she was a girl. See, I play with uh, the Ouija board as well. uh, Show off. (laughs) It doesn't, (laughs) it doesn't affect me that way. No, but again, that's just you know, part of the narrative for these kinds of stories. But another strange incident was that this uh, older Hispanic lady turned up, I think, just after they'd moved into the house. And uh, she warned them that they needed to get out of the house because the house was evil. And um, it's just interesting to find out that after the events uh, that took place in the house, no one who's ever lived in the house or owned the house since has ever experienced anything. Now, I, I do want to say that, that Blake really, really did a good job of creating a segue for us, uh, Karen, um, and he didn't even know it. And, and that was, yeah, we actually had an investigation, uh, Karen and I, that we went on that mirrors this so well. Yes. Um, Strangely, it does. And, uh, I think when would this date back to? I think it was before Blade was born, so maybe mm-hmm. about 2013. Yeah, it was 2012, 2013. It was right around that time. And uh, we got a message that this family was in like 911 distress. Um, and Karen was smart enough to go, no, don't go driving up there because you could be met with a, a shotgun a or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe uh, maybe call so 911 call, then. Yeah, call, yeah, yeah. yeah, instead of sending a 911 text, why don't you call 911? So we actually sent the police there first to make sure everything was okay. So then it got around that we called the cops on them, which they was- hated um, that. They hated that. Yeah. So we came back and said, no. That's not the case. You said 911. You said you were in distress. We were an hour away. We sent you well, help. I and they, they backed of off. A, I think that that's more of a, a reaction that a skeptic would have, though. I think a, a, uh, a paranormal group would, oh, great, let's grab our cameras and equipment and go. Go save um, the day because all paranormal investigators just want to be superheroes. That's yeah, all it is. TV so, stars. So, yeah. do, do. <laughs> Did the p- police arrive with smudge sticks and prayers? I don't know what, what was like, just, just curious. Um, I know they, they arrived with smirks, not smudge sticks. Uh, I think they turned and, up and said, oh, we were told that the people living here are crazy, which yeah, is not. Some, some ghost hunters called us said. and said, you guys need some help. You know, so uh, <laughs> it, it was not good. I mean, the police handled it terribly. They huh. really did. 
but uh, they're not trained for that. They're not yeah. trained for that. Yeah, kind it's of weird. Thing, so. It's weird that they're not trained for that. Because <laughs> it doesn't exist? I don't know. Yeah. But the thing is, uh, we set up a time to go up there when it wasn't a 911 situation to at least have an interview with them and talk to them about things. Well, I think that they acknowledged in the end, I think they had some other ghost hunting groups come through mm. uh, and then they acknowledged that what we did was correct based on the information that we had at the time. Right. Um, so, yeah, they did invite us back. I think that they'd really gone through a, a number of groups who uh, either dismissed their claims um, or who were too scared by the phenomena that was taking place there. You know, there's there's kind of a phenomena that happens with reality TV, you know, being such a, a, a problem. And that is a lot of these people are paranormal group tourists and they will call every paranormal group in town just like until they get yeah they're shopping mm. until they're window shopping until they get one that tells them exactly what they want to hear yeah and uh, uh you know barry taft uh, terry gainer they told uh doris bither exactly what she wanted to hear uh in, over time but what happened with us we got to this house and it was up in up near Greeley, Colorado. Uh, we walked in the place was a disaster very poorly kept um Bottles and, and of alcohol everywhere, including in the, the teenagers' children's rooms. Room. Well, yeah, one of them wasn't a teenager, but yeah, they were young. Uh, one of them, I think, was 13. One of them was eight, maybe. I, I can't remember. because okay, there so they was were a, even younger. There was well, a young yeah. girl, uh, um, and there was a probably 13-year-old boy, 12-year-old boy. Um, and uh, there was a lot of uh, empty alcohol bottles in their room as well. Mm -hmm. uh, the... Uh, we were really getting, and, and of course they believed their mother was being raped by a demon often. Yeah. And, and she was covered in bruises mm -hmm. and scratches and cuts. Um, uh, the, the house reeked of marijuana as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, the place that even painted words on the walls. So, uh, I mean, it clearly seemed like it was a dysfunctional family who were in distress. The yeah. mother, the, yeah, the mother was driving the idea of blaming this on the paranormal. And that, of course, got the kids freaked out. So they started <clears throat> experiencing things themselves along with seeing whatever their mother was saying. And yeah. the husband was trying to maintain some sort of control, but he had lost it completely. And we're pretty sure that there was, uh, there was a, an enormous amount of meth use by the mother who denied all of it. Well, we she evidence. had very dark circles under her eyes. And you know, when you see pictures of uh, people who've abused meth and that there's a before and an after picture. I mean, she truly looked like an after shot. She did not look well. Yeah, she uh, was. And apparently she'd gone to see uh, why well, I was urging her to, I mean, she kind of developed a bit of an affinity with me and wanted to talk with me about it. I think she thought as a woman that I would understand what she was going through. Um, but as a, a skeptic, it was very difficult for me to understand a lot of the things that she was claiming, things like worms coming out of her skin, yeah, she was and, uh, insisting that worms were coming out of her skin. And of course, we couldn't see them. Uh, we could see where she had scratched herself, but yeah. there yeah. were no worms and coming those out of her skin. are unfortunately symptoms of being a meth addict. And she, uh, as Matt said, had claimed that she had been uh, raped repeatedly by a demon. And I think the father claimed he'd seen this demon at some point, too. And she had, of all things, evidence. She had video, video. evidence. And I said, well, may I view this? And so she wanted me to see it, but she did not want Matt to see it or anyone else to, to see, see it. it. And uh, we spent maybe about an hour going through her files and she was, 
shaking uh, and in a really terrible state of distress, but also seeming like she was affected by something. Uh, and we, she couldn't find anything. I mean, there wasn't anything to, to my understanding because she really went through all of her files and was showing me video after video. I mean, comparable to pictures of Bigfoot really, uh, or video of Bigfoot, uh, not even as good as that, just very blurry footage where it didn't seem like anything was going on. It was just black and white. Um, so there, there was no evidence, um, but she was really in the habit of, we try to explain something, giving a, a natural explanation, and she would just jump down our throats and say, well, how do you explain this? And the things kept getting worse and Escalated. worse. Yeah, she didn't come with her A game. She would like tell us, you know, something about one time I walked in and there was a smell. So we'd, we'd, you know, say, okay, well, that could have been blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, well, what about this? And then she would say something that was a little bit more. We'd explain that. And then she, what about this? And then something a little bit more. I mean, it was three hours of that, of her ratcheting it up. And I'm like, well, if that actually happened, why didn't you lead with that? Um, so none of it was believable, but she believed everything she said. Her children believed everything she said, and her husband was along for the ride, seemingly believing most of what she said. Um, and, and it was, it mirrors the entity so well. And, and that was the thing. All the paranormal groups that came in the house felt that this haunting was worse than Amityville. And since how Amityville was, was fake, yeah, maybe, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, but, uh, you know, that's the thing is, is they talk about all the witnesses in the entity case and, and everybody saw this and the children were seeing this. Yeah. Well, we've seen this before and mm-hmm. it's not convincing. Yeah. But, yeah, but the, it the, reminds me, go ahead, Karen. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, the, the, the story in Grayley really did mirror the, uh, the, the Doris uh, Bither case uh, in terms of the phenomena that was happening and uh, the things that they were reporting. So I don't know if they had seen this movie and they were somehow influenced by that or if it was really a product of uh, people who were you know, abusing substances and uh, that this is the kind of thing that happens because certainly in the case of, of Doris, uh, she was known to, to abuse substances and a lot of the things that were happening to her uh, were really evidence of that. I mean, um, you know, she she could have been cutting herself. Um, she could have been causing a, a lot of these bruises and and um, just things that, that had happened to her. You know, perhaps she was doing them to herself. Well, um, the, it, it really was very there's, similar. There's that idea of, um, there's a, psychologically, there's the idea of fully ado, where you've got a, uh, a shared delusion in a small group of people and they reinforce their own belief Mm-hmm. Uh, and right. I, I, I feel like, especially with a parent and children, like even though they had a contentious relationship, uh, apparently quite contentious uh, mm-hmm. in real life, the there is a lot of pressure to believe what your parents tell you, you know, like just like if, if your parents are undergoing a lot of weird, terrible stuff and they tell mm-hmm. you it's because of X, you know, whether that's ghosts or demons or you're being persecuted by some outside conspiracy oh. or whatever, you well, know, yeah, you. I mean, if you're a kid, kids, you don't want to be the reason things are going wrong, right? So and you're you don't very be, willing you're, to yeah. go along with exactly. And you're not, like you're that. not, these are your caregivers, you're not supposed to be like a mystery solver trying to figure out what's really going on, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. and, and I, I think, yeah, there's another term for that too collective hallucinations, uh, where we see uh, cases we see, of Marian apparitions, mm-hmm. uh, so multiple people, I mean. Uh, UFO UFO sightings are very big for that. Very similar uh, to that definitely. too, or multiple people thinking that they have seen a ghost. Um, so yeah, I think collective hallucinations are another 
possible explanation for that. Uh, and in the true story too, and in, in the movie, Bill, the son, Bill or, or Billy, uh, he at one point has his arm broken when he goes to rescue his mother during one of the, the incidents where she's being raped. And uh, I mean, the, the movie does get a little bit weird, apparently in some of the the cuts. And I think that the doctor suggests at some point that she might have a, a, an incestuous relationship with her son or might yeah, be. Get, it's, everything's super Freudian in this film. Like, I mean, yeah. it's like, every, yeah. A lot of this, psychiatry. Yeah. 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 Um, but, you know, I, I do just jumping back to the Greeley thing really quickly. I just want to say mm -hmm. it's my personal opinion that so much of this was driven by the fact that she was trying to cover up her um, and, and even give herself excuses uh, for her meth addiction. That's what it really seemed. It's like it was all about she, covering up what she was doing. So she you was think not every a sound mind. And everything no. was meth serious phenomena? <sighs> that is not one of your best. Okay, well, <laughs> well it I'll just keep laugh, railing it, on until I get to that. It did another, make me laugh, though. Another uh, <laughs> with or at. <laughs> but there's another explanation which is uh, commonly given, too, and that is that uh, Doris and Carla in the movie uh, suffers from sleep paralysis. And I think that there are some parts of the film where that's kind of implied. Uh, and, and certainly in the true story as well, that a lot of these things happen when she's in bed. These yeah. things happen at night. Uh, in the movie too, doesn't she? She has an orgasm at one point. Um, Which, by the way, that just when I was watching the film, I, I thought, wow, this is really powerful visual storytelling because she's clearly sleeping and they, they, they do some incredible Stan Winston actual special effects to like, create the, the like it looks like she's being molested without anybody touching her and right. i thought wow and then she clearly wakes up feeling ashamed and disgusted because it was not consensual and she had hmm. the the pleasure of the orgasm but the horrible violation of having been molested i thought that's really powerful storytelling yeah. you know i'm picking up all this then the next scene she literally says all that out loud i was like you, hmm. you, really you didn't did need to do that you didn't yeah. need to do that it was so and well done yeah, yeah anyway, and that, that sorry, does yeah. actually happen sometimes yeah. in cases of true sexual assault, and that, oh, sure. yeah, that yeah, she was no. asking for it or she enjoyed it. No, it it's uh, it's it's so, and I know it. Like that makes uh, it okay. It, it it makes it so shameful. Like like for the people who experience it, it feels so terrible to have to mm. deal with oh, the violation and more the, so. Yeah, so and the, the, ah. the, the na natural reaction. But I do want to add too, and, and this is something that I think makes me feel a little bit better about those scenes because they are distressing uh but to find out that body doubles were used and mannequins were used and i think the one in that scene towards the end that the boyfriend witnesses when yes. he comes back home they used a a, uh, a mannequin then and apparently that cost about sixty five thousand dollars for them to make so that must have been a big chunk of the, the budget yeah. going towards and that that's that stan winston magic i, I think that's uh uh, where you see the impressions on her her yeah. breasts and like she's so being touched behind the scenes right. yeah it's they it's a it's a body cast and then inside it they've got suction cups that can pull in and push oh. out the skin so yeah it's, it's very impressive and so it's a full body within her head strategically placed against it it's the same way they do the uh pulling people apart effects in zombie mm -hmm. movies like famously yeah. in the day of the dead for example and she's yeah. whispering help yeah. me and it's yeah. very distressing it was yeah, very well, distressing. 
even going back to that Greeley case, uh, the video footage that she showed you seemed to be nothing more than sleep paralysis uh, from from what uh, I remember you telling me about it. Um, well, it looked like they, they had had a camera set up in the course of the night, but uh, it was very blurry and it really didn't seem like anything was taking place. There was just nothing graphic, nothing clear at all. Mm. Um, and I think it was just she was showing me bits and pieces of that footage, like we see in a lot of paranormal movies or even people trying to recreate phenomena or doing, you know, kind of home jobs, uh, ghost hunting, stuff like that. But there, from what I could see, there was just absolutely nothing, nothing compelling, which was is good. Well, I thought yeah. there's a scene there's a scene in the movie when Dr. Snyderman confronts her and basically says, look, what you're experiencing has happened throughout history. People have been assaulted by what they think are paranormal entities. And he pulls out this notebook and it's got all these clippings of like medieval stuff and monsters. And I thought it's so funny because that's such a low budget way to do what they would typically do with like a mocked up book. But mm -hmm. his point his point's completely valid that what she's describing is the same thing as incubus and succubus and sleepy yeah. demonic attacks. And yeah. those are real things that people experience as supernatural but are caused by sleep paralysis and Absolutely. and so if you're listening to this and don't know about that do look it up uh, it, it is something where your body goes when you go to sleep and are having dreams you're normally paralyzed or you can go back and listen to a monster talk episode yeah we've we talked, about, talked it about it a lot yeah. i do want to talk about now i don't want this to get confused i want to talk about the mm -hmm. climax of the movie and not the scene we just talked about yeah uh, yeah we I, I was the third act the movie changes yeah it yeah changes, now yeah. Are you are you aware of how that actually even came to be? Because it is completely fictionalized. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, <laughs> the the writer, uh, Frank, uh, when he came to uh, Barry Taft and he said, if you could have done anything, you had all the money and resources in the world and you could have done anything to try mm -hmm. to, you know, take this to the next step, what would you have done? And that was what Barry Taft said is to you know, try to, to build a ghost trap by recreating the house. I isolate in, the in, ghost and freeze in it. a basketball court. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, to it treat was a the woman weird... as an elaborate. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we're just going to dump liquid uh, uh, helium all helium, over you. Yeah. Yeah. And why was or it liquid helium and not liquid nitrogen? Ghost. Nitrogen. Yeah. That's, and the thing is, is what they actually had in the Higgs was like liquid nitrogen. Okay. Uh, but they said it was liquid helium. So whatever. I don't know I, why. Okay. Yeah, me neither. Uh, you know, they, mm. they, they it's fictionalized, so they had yeah. to change everything. Um, but uh, yeah, cool. it's it's a very weird choice. I mean, what would make you think that you could freeze a ghost? What would make you think that that shield that she stepped behind was going to do anything against the ghost that can go through walls? And it doesn't. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it ultimately it doesn't, do doesn't protect her. Um, it, it was just a very bizarre choice. It really was. And well, then to have the I ghost take control of the the nozzle, um, as it were. So yeah. I think it's interesting, too, in that uh, in other parts of the movie, and this happened in the real story, too, that she would provoke the ghost. So she would yell and abuse the ghost. Uh, and uh, either when she thought that its, its power was waning, uh, she would abuse it or to try and coax it to appear, to materialize for photographs. And uh, so I thought it was interesting that in that final scene, the climax scene, that she doesn't I mean, it just appears of its own accord uh, and it doesn't, it's not brought out in any way that, that I can see. It just turns up. Yeah. On it's cue. Like, again, it was just like hanging out. I, was it watching? Was it, what are they doing over there? Was, like, was oh, it fooled? Yeah. Oh, the house is here now. It would seem uh, like an, it was an intelligent 
being or entity and uh, so that it was kind of lured into that and then trapped, which was a little bit reminiscent of Ghostbusters as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's let's see that Ghostbusters was 84, I think. So, and it's so, but it was after that, it was the same time as uh, Poltergeist is being made. But the budgetary, the budgetary differences between the two films is stunning. But it still, what really got me is like, well, first of all, it'd be really cool if parapsychology had had those kind of budgets, but usually they were like not even real departments, they were just like kind of adjacent to the psychology. It was like a club after class, you know, kind of thing. Oh yeah, but I think it was interesting because in the movie they they said, "Oh, we're part of psychology." Yeah, you know, oh, which department? Oh, parapsychology. You know, which kind of sub department? Yeah. And I did think it was interesting too the way that the the film ends, where the uh, psychiatrist who I think is the head of the departments and he's the the mentor of uh, is it Dr. Schneiderman? Yeah. Uh, and that that he witnesses everything, as does the the other psychiatrist, and that. He basically poo-poos at the end. It's so well, it could have been lots of different things. I don't know what I saw. Yeah, and she's like, you son of a bitch. Yeah. And it's just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, it's like the, that damn evil skeptic, you know, in yeah. the end ruins everything. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah the, the, the those was, who don't believe that no proof is enough. That was really the kind of yes theme of, yes. The, of the movie and the way it ended well said. the skeptical but approach. It, but, I mean, it's, it's a strange film in that, I mean, much like the true story, uh, they did get this part. It never ends. Like, you know, it never ends. There's no solution. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that always breaks my heart for the people who are really experiencing these things, because whatever the cause, you know, to not have a resolution, like, so if you say trauma, it's just, it is trauma and it's recurrent trauma and they're never going to get out of it. And I, I personally cool. don't think it's supernatural, but you know, you, it, it would have taken Very a lot traumatic. of work to get somebody out of that mess. And, it, and yeah, I, I wonder what happened to, uh, because Doris sadly died in 1999. And uh, so she was about 58 years old. And I think it was cardiopulmonary failure. So mm-hmm. a heart attack or yeah. um, something, something like that. And uh, I don't think we've ever heard from her children, because if there are three or four tr- children, I'm sure that some of them would still be around. And uh, I don't think any, anyone's ever come forward to talk about this. It's just kind of, faded into obscurity yeah yeah i mean i did looking and i couldn't find anything in that sense um but i do have to say that you know it's it's funny because it is well stated that that last scene in the gymnasium is completely fictional uh and yet i remember talking to ed warren and him saying oh no you know i i know the head of that department that you know that that woman i can't think what her name is off the top of my head um, in real life. She's like, and that, that is a hundred percent true. Everything in that movie was absolutely a hundred percent true. Yeah. That's, and that's it's like, not true. Ed, <laughs> that's not true. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And then that's the, the fun thing is Ed told me everything I would ever need to know about him in that yeah. short conversation. With yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's probably just a, something he would say to everyone. He, he tells all the boys that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely true. Just so he could go on to tell me that Ray Garten's book in a dark place was 100 percent true, um, which uh, we know from Ray Garten that it is not another great Monster Talk episode. You should totally check out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, again, uh, like like a lot of the movies we cover here, this movie, I I, I can't recommend it. Like, I I can't like it's it's too it's and it's not because I don't think the story is true. It's because I just found that the subject matter is so traumatic. And 
And I, I don't, it's weird because my, what I expected to happen was that the, a serious topic like sexual assault would be trivialized by injecting the paranormal into it. And what I found instead was, no, it's still terrible and, and they don't trivialize it, but it, in, a way, in a way it's still kind of worse because the real root causes for all the stuff going on are never dealt with except mm. as the, through the proxy of the paranormal and yeah. it doesn't solve anything even in the story. Like it's like no, this, no. this and- poor it's a terrible situation. I felt bad. Oh, for yeah, the kids. She's, yeah, she's so, exploited yeah. and she's objectified throughout. And yeah, there really is no kind of resolution. And it yeah. seems like that, that draws parallels again to the, the true story that and it, uh, she kept moving on. And uh, this, this phenomenon apparently followed her because I think it was her. Did you know? Well, I, I think so too. Exactly. What's the common element? that lady yeah mm-hmm. yeah and, yeah. It, and not because i think she's the center of a, of a haunting in, or demonic attack or ghost or whatever but because she's got serious mental health issues substance abuse problems troubled and you know, abused, troubled yeah. yeah yeah so did you notice though in the film i thought this was a strange choice okay so in real life we know she was an alcoholic drug using uh person with many problems legitimate mm-hmm. and i'm not i'm not excusing it. i'm just saying she had serious issues that need to be dealt yeah. with uh, mm-hmm. but but in the film, she never drinks, and there's ashtrays no. all over the house. Oh, she does she never, at one point when her boyfriend the, comes home. Oh, the wine uh, that she, she tries to. Oh no, no, I'm not going to drink tonight. Oh, like, that's oh, right, you that's have right. to. It's my homecoming. That's yeah. right. That's right. But there's ashtrays everywhere, and she never smokes. Like there's ashtrays by the bed. There's like other people are smoking. And mm-hmm. oh my god, the scene where the doctors are all talking about her case, and like the room's literally filled oh. with smoke. I was like, I mean, no, the that's hospital the 80s. as well. Oh, no, she did. She did smoke once in the movie, and that yeah. was in the hospital. Oh, was she? Was she smoking there with everybody else? Well, it was. It was, early, it was early on in the hospital. Okay. <laughs> she was smoking, and that was that was it though. Yeah, okay. very. Yeah. They really kind of kept that out. But yeah. in those these movies in this era, they always seem to make sure that the doctors and uh, and in hospitals there's plenty of smoking because it was cool and it was glamorous yeah, it, i mean it, it was the manly was... thing to do well you know graham chapman from uh, monty python i do um Who? yeah he he actually had he had a uh, degree in medicine he'd gone yeah. to it was cambridge and he said that he started smoking a pipe uh, originally because he didn't want to be called upon in class to answer questions and he wanted to look like a, a doctor a kind of stereotypical doctor by always having a pipe and his mouth. That's funny. Um, so yeah, I think. But when I was growing up, uh, no one in my home smoked, um, and my mother in particular was very anti-smoking. But we always had ashtrays around the house. I think it was for guests, right? Because people you know, and in those like, days, people um, smoked yeah. on in airplanes and at um, university halls and just everywhere. It's well, they, there's so much nostalgia for the '80s today. right now. Like people love the '80s and like you know Stranger Things and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but like yeah. you you can't really accurately convey just how much cigarettes were part of everything. I mean, it's like everything smelled like cigarettes when you yeah. hopped in somebody's car. It smelled like cigarettes when you go to their house. It smells like cigarettes. You know, so yep. yeah. it was yeah. it was for pervasive. So that little scene really caught my eye. Is like that seems very accurate for the '80s. Uh, totally yeah, totally so, anyway well, that's other, a weird way to end the show but <laughs> well one of, one of the other interesting things i want to bring up just before we cut out uh and that is um all of the psychology aspects the psychiatry aspects were also fictionalized she did not see a psychologist very uh, at any time point. and yeah. and yet the way they wrote him was interesting because he was not a good psychiatrist um oh, he, he was, was he was like, crossing boundaries professional and ethical all the time and yeah and the questions he was asking were not 
well done. I mean, it was he was not a good psychiatrist. So it was very interesting. Now, now, of course, we we like him in the movie because he's so passionate about saving her. But it yeah, was all inappropriate. It was very inappropriate. It and, was and like just... all of like all of them in, and it was like they were fighting over her. Even the paranormal researchers were trying to to get rid of him. It was like they they were all competition against each other. But I yeah. do think that in the true story, she truly should have seen a psychologist, a psychiatrist. I think we'd have a different outcome, maybe. But, but I would say any movie with Ron in it has a silver lining. So, <laughs> <laughs> or Andy Garcia, he's the next Ron Silver. He, he is. Um, he's like, well, but, on uh, that note, I think we should close off. But we do need. To we don't want to. Choose. We don't want to talk about the fact that that uh, Doctor Silverman uh, just parked in the middle of the street. Out Snyderman. 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 Yeah. Sorry, yeah, sorry. 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 Uh, <laughs> Snyderman. He just parks his car right in the middle of the street, and, and like there's another truck blocking the other direction, yeah. and then yeah. he runs in the house in his very stylish uh, Volkswagen vehicle. Jetta. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, you know, ob- it's, it's a rabbit. Male- it's a rabbit. Volkswagen rabbit. You're right. It was a rabbit, and, and yeah, psychologists sorry. really made a lot of money in the '80s, apparently, because if that, that's that what was, he was driving, that was male um, privilege and male entitlement. <laughs> in the '80s, like, <laughs> was, hey, uh, get that car. It's okay. I'm a doctor. Style. Oh, sorry, doctor. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. So make sure that you uh, uh, consider becoming a, a patron, um, and that's uh, Patreon.com/slash Monster Talk, and also click that like button and if you haven't already subscribe yeah we really appreciate you watching this and i hope that you enjoyed it and uh love hearing from you guys in the comments and uh emails and just if you'd like to suggest future shows either for the regular podcast or for based on a true story or monster talk live too i'd love to hear from people but everybody have a great one we'll talk to you soon monster talk You've been listening to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stolzner. You just heard a podcast rebroadcast of our YouTube series, Debased on a True Story, covering the film The Entity. We've covered quite a few movies in our series, and if you enjoyed this episode, you might want to check those out at youtube.com forward slash monster talk. At Monster Talk, we're always looking into mysteries, but there's one mystery which only you can provide the answer for. Who are you? Airwave Media is doing a network-wide audience survey, and we would love to learn more about you, our listeners, the people who make this show possible with your support and attention. Just go to surveymonkey.com forward slash r forward slash airwave, all one word. So that's surveymonkey.com forward slash r r like the letter r forward slash airwave but don't worry i'll put a link to that in the show notes select monster talk from the drop down list of shows and then fill out the simple questions to tell us more about who you are we hope to hear from you that's surveymonkey.com forward slash r forward slash airwave thanks we hope you've enjoyed this episode of monster talk Each episode, we strive to bring you the very best in monster-related content with a focus on bringing scientific skepticism into the conversation. If you enjoy Monster Talk, we now have a variety of ways to support the show, all with convenient links at monstertalk.org forward slash support. That's monstertalk.org forward slash support. We have links there to our Patreon page as well as a donation button. Another great way to support the show is to buy books from our Amazon Monster Talk wish list, which directly helps us with our research. 
We love used books very much, so don't feel compelled to buy new ones. And we love Kindles, so we can share our digital libraries with each other. And finally, without spending any money at all, you can support us by leaving a positive review at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Positive reviews help keep us visible in iTunes, which is a great way to help us find new listeners. And please share our show on your favorite social media platforms. We'll be back with fresh new content next week. But we're proud of all this video work we've been creating in addition to the podcast. And especially we want to thank Matt Baxter for all his production work on this content outlet. Monster Talk theme music is by Pete Stealing Monkeys. Thanks once more for exploring the mysterious world with us. We love your company. been a Monster House presentation. As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for the New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.